My name is Rachel Peru and I'm a 50-year-old grey-haired curve model and I'm going to be your host for the Out of the Bubble podcast. I started a new career age 46 modelling and on social media I found so many women, inspiring and amazing women over 40 who were really embracing their midlife and helping to break down the stereotypical barriers. I really wanted to share these stories with you, so let's celebrate and firmly place a spotlight on women over 40. My weekly reminder that you are not invisible and it's never too late to try something new. Welcome back to another episode of Out of the Bubble podcast. I hope you've all had a good week. And more importantly, I hope everyone in the UK has managed to stay safe during this horrendous weather. Fingers crossed it's all settling down now, but we've definitely had a a tough week um, across the country, but I hope you've all managed to stay safe. This week's guest is a real force to be reckoned with. Catherine O'Connell is such a champion for midlife women, and I can't wait to talk to her today. She's been on my list to have on the podcast for a while, so it's definitely one I'll be looking forward to. Catherine describes herself as an ageism positivist, an empowerment catalyst, and she is the founder of Forever Fierce Midlife Matters. She has a global Facebook community with literally thousands of women in there, all supporting one another in encouraging women to really embrace this next chapter and be the best versions of themselves, whatever age, because we all know, you know, a step out of the bubble is all about really trying to encourage women to step out of their comfort zones, try new things and really keep their minds open to what could be ahead of them, because it's definitely not too late to start something new. Catherine has a fantastic story to share of how she got started. And, you know, I'm really looking forward to finding out all the work that she does. Grab a coffee and enjoy. So, Catherine, thank you so much for joining me. I have been following you for several years now, so you've been on my list to get on the podcast for a while. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be here. We have got lots to talk about. I think we've got a lot in common. And as I said in your intro, you are really a force to be reckoned with when it comes to empowering women in midlife. How did all this begin? Because this is something that you've really kind of grown into, isn't it, over the years? But where did it all start? Sure. So um, several years ago, I was diagnosed with late stage Lyme disease. I like so many people with that particular illness, were misdiagnosed. I was misdiagnosed for over 10 years. So by the time I was diagnosed, I basically was a dead woman. It was in my brain, had been there for a very, very long time. They traced it back over 10 years with two cases of spinal meningitis. So bottom line, as soon as I went under treatment, the disease, the illness went from dormant to active. It was all over my brain. I started having seizures. I was completely bedridden for a year, unable to walk. All my organs started started to shut down and I was under 100 pounds. I'm five nine. So I basically was a walking skeleton. And on 11, 11, 14, I went through a near-death experience. And I obviously am still here. And I was one of those people, it wasn't like all of a sudden it was like, ah, the light opened up and I was healed. I was still me and I was still here. And I really had to deal with that because I had suffered so much in my life, a background of abuse and trauma. And that culminated in the illness. And I, at least my conscious awareness, I was like ready to go. But clearly there was a deeper part of me that was here to stay and here to show the world, you know, not just me alone, but we are a fierce force. And so I really came back to life in my mid fifties and I started living my life a different way in order to heal from the illness 
I decided to change my reality and to realize that illness is sort of one dark circle and wellness is a, a light circle or positivity. All those things are over here. And I decided I was not going to dip a toe in the world of illness anymore, even if my world, my reality still, I was very physically ill. I decided in order to be well, I was going to have to live well and, you know, step into that. So that started, my daughter came over one day, um, said, mom, I think we should start you an Instagram, put on some of those pretty clothes because I had a fashion background and of course they're all falling off of me and I'm like what's Instagram what's a hashtag I literally had no idea but with that positive step I literally just kept taking the steps that the universe would put in front of me and I started sharing my story and I had hundreds of people reaching out and saying can you help me can you help me and so I sent my cell phone to every single one of them and literally it started a mission personal healing mission for me through really opening up about my story, being vulnerable about, you know, what really led to the illness and also taking back my power through changing the story, changing the path forward. My past did not have to be my future. And so all of this kind of opened up and here I was in my mid fifties and I'm like, wow, I'm actually feeling confident and empowered for the first time in my life with passion and purpose and creativity and all these things I really hadn't tapped into or didn't realize they were there. I allowed them to all go to sleep inside of me. And as I sort of this phoenix rose and the ashes fell away of the old self, this new empowered self emerged and I've been able to live from that space ever since. Which is quite an incredible journey you've been on. And there's such a power, isn't there, in sharing your story and allowing yourself that to be vulnerable because you were in a in a vulnerable position to share that. How comfortable did you feel sharing it on social media at the beginning and sharing your story with everybody? You know, it's interesting because the previous me was painfully shy. And, you know, I grew up with my mom, an actress, and she was really in the spotlight. And I was always behind the scenes. And literally just to say a word was so terrifying to me. So it's so interesting that when this path opened up and I started on Instagram, it felt very natural, but weird because it was so different than who I was. But again, it was, I was tapping into a different part of me and sharing openly, you know, authentically, very vulnerably brought people to me. And I felt like in opening my heart and really telling, you know, the authentic stories that made me me, it was like a magnet for people to come in. And it really felt amazing for the first time in my life. So it it brought out the real me. And now you can't shut me up. <laughs> yes, you found your base. <laughs> You're using it. <laughs> I love it. And also, I mean, what strikes me about your journey as well is that first year when you were kind of on your road to recovery and you'd got that mindset that you were going to go out there and, and achieve lots of different things. You really did achieve a lot in that first year. You got your podcast up and running, the Facebook group, I'm all right, and you set in your media company. Where did that strength come from? You know, it's so interesting. It's, um, it is an inner strength, right? Because obviously I wasn't really physically well. I was still very weak, very debilitated, but there is a source inside of us that we can tap into. And I, you know, didn't consciously know I was doing that, but I was doing that. So that's like the real me that is inside of all of us. And many of us live from the inauthentic self, you know, the ego self, the people pleasing self. But when you tap into the real self, there's power in there that you can find. So that's what I was finding for the first time. And it was literally bringing me back to life. And again, I was now tapping into all these 
things that I said, I'm not creative. I was like, wow, I'm creative. You know, I'm, I'm not this and I'm not that. And I was, I'm not a leader, but suddenly people are like, standing beside me and you know you don't start a movement or a community without other women joining and those women were joining like you said through my story through my heart opening through authenticity through all these things that we are so when we live from that place there's a natural power inside of us that just fuels us yeah absolutely and there's strength in numbers as well isn't there when women get together they're really we are an unstoppable force how difficult was it to actually the practicality of setting up because I know you're like me when you first started podcasting you didn't really know about the technical side of things I don't know what it's like in the states the attitudes in the media towards older women but how difficult was it to tap into this industry well first of all we are the same in the states I mean I know (laughs) culturally we we have our differences but ageism is rampant pretty much everywhere except for the far east for the most part where they really see it as wisdom so that is is and is why i took this path but as far as the podcast originally it started as a radio show and again it was one of those things that i had launched this campaign called the fierce 50 we just had our 50 year anniversary and i united bloggers at that time over 50 together and we kind of went viral on social media and so some brands came in to reach out and through that all those collaborations a woman who was on the today show here for gosh i think maybe 20 years, joined me and um, invited me on to her radio show. And then as a co-host on her radio show, and then ultimately I ended up taking over the show and creating my own show. So this was through a radio station. And then we decided we wanted to kind of produce it our own way. So then I brought it home and we up-leveled the production. But yes, I I actually am very fortunate in that I have someone to help me run the technology because our show is quite complex the way we do it. And uh, technology, we all have our strengths. That is not my strength. (laughs) (laughs) Mine neither. It's definitely been a learning curve. (laughs) Get help. My greatest advice, get help, right? And what's been what's been the thing that surprised you the most? Because you've connected with so many different women now through your interviews, through the podcast. What's the one thing that continually kind of surprises you about the about this whole midlife movement that you've created? Well, I think that um, there is a commonality in this you know, our authentic self rising and that, you know, whether you look at Brene Brown and talking about this sort of urgency that arises, which is again, the emergence of our authentic self. It's like, hey, I'm in here. It's time to wake up and get going because we don't know how much time is left. But there really is when you actually interview the people who are passing through hospice, you know, not to be, um, you know, morbid in any way, but we get these lessons that are universal lessons. And the lessons that we learn from those who are about to pass are like, they don't regret what they did in life. They regret what they didn't do. So again, there's this inside self, this deeper self, kind of our soul saying, hey, it's time to get on with it. It's time to pursue you. What's in your heart, where are your dreams, your passion, there's a purpose for your being here on earth. And so that's the biggest commonality that I see. And if someone isn't there yet, oftentimes women at Midlife and Beyond will spark that in them to go, hey, you know, I see her living a very different life now and she seems alive and lit up. I want that too. Oh, why is it because there are all these amazing women getting out there and doing all this stuff and really embracing this next chapter, whatever it is, their third chapter or their fourth, whichever chapter it is. Why do you think it's not represented in the media and in society that way? 
Well, um, I've had a lot of interesting conversations with people who actually are running the marketing firms or the advertising, and it's because the majority of the marketing advertising is actually done by youngsters. So if you look at the back end of corporations, let's say it's an influencer pack platform in the influencer world, which is its own world. But the majority of those people who, people who are putting together the marketing programs who are hiring the influencers are in their 20s. So they have a very different perception of us at Midlife and Beyond. And they're in general going to be putting much younger people in a role that is for a 40 or 50 year old there. And, and also there's a, there's a stereotype. Okay, I'm 60. I don't have gray hair. It, and it's wonderful. I think it's beautiful, but there's a stereotype. Let's pluck one woman with silver hair to represent the 40 plus demographic. Well, that doesn't represent all of us. And again, it's playing into a stereotype. So until we have more diversity in the corporations, in the marketing and in the advertising, rather than aging out and pushing out anybody over basically 45, 50, you're not going to see representation out there because marketing is not re representative of us because it's not created by us. Yeah, that's so true. And it's so frustrating. And I have to say my first modeling job, one of my very first jobs, was playing because of my grey hair they cast me as a grandma with an older man so I was meant to be playing somebody kind of in my 60s and I was 47 at the time and I did go into the industry thinking is this what I'm going to be typecast as and, and after that I refused to do stuff that puts me in that because there are 70 year olds that can do it they don't need a 45 year old so you're so true that, that, that it needs to change from that that generation doesn't it which is what I love about you because you are very you're very concerned about making sure that we have those intergenerational conversations don't you so can you tell me about that and how you've involved that in your platform? Sure. So a big part of my message, even though I am directing it to women at Midlife and Beyond, I am also encompassing and building a bridge to the younger generations because research shows us that if you have a fear of aging, um, it takes seven years off your life. Like that's crazy. So the more we see older women who are empowered, who are living a life, like I said, lit up, passion, purpose, all these things, the more younger people will feel like, oh, that's something I want rather than something I don't want, something I fear. Building that bridge, I had created a campaign like the Fierce 50 called Bridging the Gap. And again, it was uniting millennials with a midlifer um, in the blogging world. And initially we were afraid, I was told no millennials will join us because you're not cool, you're not hip, they don't want part of this. And we had so many joining in that we reached over 10 million on social media. So it was yeah. just the opposite. But the truth is that bridge was our hearts opening and sharing our stories. And so when we share our stories, we realize we're really not that different in the in, inside. We all want the same things And inside of me are all my younger selves that understand those younger selves. Right. And we want beautiful things for those generations behind us. I don't want to judge them. I want to show them a better way. And I want to show them through the wisdom that I have, you know, earned the hard way in life by falling down, by failing, by all those things. When I share that and I make myself real and authentic and vulnerable and I light away saying, hey, there's a better way, you know, and I can help you. That's how we link the generations and we all rise and move forward together. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I hope that message continues because that's something that we really do need to work on those conversations. Talking of judgment, you mentioned judgment in, in that sentence. One of the things that I really find the most frustrating is it's usually if a woman's criticized for something, it quite often comes from another woman. 
And I find that really difficult because I see it a lot on social media. And I wonder how, what you thought about that and how you think we can try and break that kind of pattern that women have got into. And I'm sure it's from a, fear, a place of fear. Well, it's always that. Thank you for, for asking that. And yes, it is always from a place of fear. And let's be real, we're human. So as human beings, and I like to say, you know, spiritual beings really in a human suit, inside of us, we carry our wounds. Unless we heal them, they're inside of us. And so let's say we see a woman who's more beautiful than us and we're insecure about the way we look or they're thinner than us and we're insecure about our weight or they're richer than us and we're insecure because we don't have those things or we don't have the husband, whatever. So we see that person, we're going to be triggered. That person is not the cause of our pain. That person is the trigger is going to open that wound. That wound is inside of us. So it's our responsibility to go inside and heal that wound. So judgment, we can say, you know, unless we're light beings, we're all judging and we have to make judgments in our lives to live a healthy life, but it's the negative judgments, the negative projections we project onto another that are our responsibility. And all that is that person's a mirror saying, hey, look inside, you know, you're not feeling so good inside. So what can we take care of now? How much, you know, self-love can we do? Can we look in the mirror and tell ourselves we're beautiful to help heal the insecurity of how we look? Or, you know, can we do something, maybe go out there and walk today? Cause we don't like, you know, our weight and where she's triggering me because she's in better health or has a better husband, whatever it is. So we need to do those things to heal the wounds inside. And then we need to take action steps in the world. So we start moving toward our dreams because we're just that person because we're usually the one in the way of our dreams and we're feeling badly about ourselves. So judgment isn't something to beat ourselves up about. It's natural. We're human, but it is a mirror for us to look within and to heal the things inside and then also to change our lives. So we go in the direction of our dreams. Yeah, absolutely. And I think social media has a huge part to play in that. And I think that's why now that hopefully COVID setting settling down and the pandemic's kind of coming out at the end of it, live events and making those one-to-one connections with people can really help with that and really dissipate some of those judgments. Because I think it's easier when you meet somebody one-to-one to really understand the person that you're connecting with rather than just, you know, an image on the screen. How important are the live events for you connecting with the women that you've kind of got as your tribe really they're huge i miss them so much i had mm. no idea really how much i miss them but that you know physical in-person human connection where our you know our our brains are lighting up inside there because we see somebody and you know we feel the love it's palpable so our events are a little different again everything we do is sort of inside out and outside in and it's really if you think of our events they're like a mirror for the best part of you so you walk in there we've created this sort of love bubble i guess i would say kind bubble so people come in and it's so interesting to see these women and they'll open up afterwards and say that they were crumpled on the floor upstairs like so terrified to come down because that youngster who was wounded you know on the middle school playground or you know who didn't get chosen for you know the the cheerleader and the girls turned against her whatever that's still inside and that wound is still there but they come in and we had one of the um, women say oh my god there really is a Santa Claus like it's like it's real it's real so they're there are kind women out there. There are kind groups out there. And we create this environment that creates a mirror so you can see the best things in you. And those literally are the things and some of the other things happen to fall away. So the live events to us are everything. And we hope, fingers crossed, we'll be back at it this fall. And we hope to take it around the world. So um, 
Yeah, stay tuned. Yeah, that was going to be one of my questions. When are you going to come to Europe? When are you going to come yeah. to London? <laughs> we have to yeah, meet up. You know, it's so funny. Even though I'm in the States, my number two demographic in the world is the States first, and then it's the UK second. So we have a lot of women over there, and we have a lot of demand. We have women flying over from there it's for our events here in the States. So we want to build a bridge, and we really want to bring um, what we have created over here in the States all around the world and also to learn from you. You know, our multicultural, you know, we have a global community. We want to learn from you too. We want to hear the differences in our cultures and how we can sort of keep our unique differences, but also meld us so we unite um, all around the world through through our differences. And have you seen changes since you started the, you know, the whole kind of campaign that you've been working on for the last eight years, is it now? How have you seen differences in attitudes in society? Have you seen progress being made? A little bit. I, I would say a little bit. I definitely was on the beginning track of this, you know, putting my age out there and talking about it. And it, it came from going to an influencer event where they thought I was a millennial. And when I told them my age, they wouldn't speak to me. And I was like, okay, I'm going to shout it even louder. Yeah. I could have gone, okay, yeah, I'm much younger, whatever, and gotten those jobs. I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. So what I am seeing is a lot more midlife women saying the things I was saying, you know, six, seven years ago. Yeah. They're saying I'm now and they're jumping on that bag wagon. I think that a big part of that is you're seeing the Paulina Boroskovas, right? The, the, the beautiful supermodels who are now speaking out openly about ageism that's now, that's, that's how you finally get heard. Like an ordinary person like me probably yeah. is going to be heard like a supermodel. So now they feel a bit more comfortable opening up and going, hey, you know, she's right. We, you know, we are an ageist society and how do we change that? So in that respect, I definitely see some change. But as far as marketing and advertising, again, very, very, very little. Yeah, it's interesting. I was talking to another lady in the States um, a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about body confidence and she was saying that you very rarely see older women in like, for instance, lingerie campaigns in, in the States. So that's still got a long way to go, I think. What would you, if you could change one thing first, what would it be? If I could change one thing first about ageism or... Yeah. Um, if I could change one thing first, well, I would I would show, you know, again, a representation of women that we have all different shapes, all different colors, all different sizes, all different hair colors, you know, all different wrinkles, and it's all okay. Like it's, we're, we're programmed to age a certain way. I lived in LA for 10 years and I don't have plastic surgery. I don't have that stuff on my face. And again, no judgment, but if you go there, you'll see people's faces all distorted because they are so busy trying to fit into a culture where we're supposed to look a certain way. But when we do that, oftentimes we actually change the way, you know, we look and then we don't recognize ourselves. So for me, it would be realizing there's many different ways to age. It's all beautiful and it really is a personal journey. So what's right for you may not be right for me, but it's all good. So I think being more open and um, accepting, you know, of everything, of fillers, of wrinkles, of plastic surgery, of no plastic surgery, of multiple hair colors, of, you know, it's all good. It's, it's a personal choice on how we age. Yeah, absolutely. And there might be some women listening to this that, that really want to get to this place where you and I are at now. But are at the beginning of their journey and are really feeling very kind of lost in midlife and not really sure what direction to go in. What advice would you give to those women to, to kind of make those first steps? Because that's the hardest part, I think. It is the hardest part. I would say it's really, it's twofold, really. It takes an honest, uh, like, inventory of yourself, right? And that can be the hardest thing to do, to look within and go, I'm in my own way in these different ways. These are the beliefs that I've taken on and I need to change them because 
if we have a future self and that future self is in a very different direction than we are right now, we've got to change some. Change is really, really hard. And usually we are our own obstacles and that obstacle is usually from our own belief system, our own mindset, our own attitude, right? About doing something. We can't do this. We can't do that. So tell yourself a different story. What's the story of that future self that is your dream self? What's the story she would tell herself that's different from the story you're telling yourself right now? And it's also looking back at your younger self. What did you love to do? Like, what's the natural thing inside of you? What are you drawn to? You're drawn to climbing trees in nature. Well, maybe there's something around nature that you, you know, are, are going to be involved in in your future self. Did you live in libraries? I lived in libraries. So I want to write a book really badly. And I want to write a book that is very much autobiographical because that's what I was drawn to. So, and I love to color and draw. And I kept saying, I'm not creative. I'm not an artist, but I am, you know, I'm really good at those things. So the things your younger self, your more pure, innocent self without all these layers and beliefs and disempowering stories we're telling ourselves, that's the self to look to. And then also your future self and to figure out how you can build that bridge from your younger self to your future self, one that's really empowered and beautiful and where you get out of your own way. Yeah, and that's so true for me as well. And when I look back now at my younger self, I, I love drama, I loved acting, did drama A-level, I love dressing up. And, and, I, and you get lost sometimes. Life takes you in a different direction. You lose that and it's finding it again and clasping those little pieces of you that, that are still in there and unlocking them, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's what you're saying is energy. It's all energy. So pay attention to your energy. If you're leaking energy, if you're like <sighs> exhausted by something, wrong track, right? So and if something gets you so excited like you said acting my mom's an actress my daughter's an actress they're so excited about it like those are the things that light you up and those are the things to pay attention to so energy is real we have a finite amount of energy in this life so do those things that actually add energy instead of leaking energy so what were some of the biggest obstacles you've had along this journey then in here yeah <laughs> In here, I grew up in a very traumatic, abusive childhood and was sexually abused as a child. Married that on steroids, basically a very, very abusive situation that literally broke me in a million pieces. I left after a breakdown and after my doctor saying, you know, you don't get out, you're not going to make it. Mm -hmm. So it was, it, I had to basically, you know, as, as Oprah says, like the universe, it knocks and knocks a little harder and a little harder. And I was like, oh, all right, <laughs> the final knockout punch is like, are you going to wake up? But that really is how it works so for me it was I was filled with negative beliefs about myself and I realized you know my illness I actually saw a top infectious disease specialist in LA and that's very western medicine so I was so surprised that he said yes you have Lyme disease yes it's really serious but the biggest issue you have is your trauma so I was like okay and all that means is there's a ball of negative energy inside of me, all coiled with a bunch of a belief saying, you can't do this, you can't do that. All these voices of everybody else inside of me telling all these horrible things about me to me. And it's not that, it's what we take it to mean about ourselves. So trauma is one thing when it happens to you. It's another thing when decades later, you're still carrying that inside. And you've created all these stories about yourself that are holding you stuck in the past and holding you in that place of trauma. We have the power 
to free ourselves. We can put that ball and chain down anytime. And that's what I did to heal from my illness and to propel my life forward. Thank you for sharing that. Because I think there are lots of women that will be able to relate to, to different parts of that conversation. And I think, it, you know, I think it's important for people to hear the positives at the, at the end of that journey that, that has now led you to where you are now. What's your kind of biggest goals? What's your ambitions for how it can grow? Because it seems like you really are on a mission to be unstoppable. Ah, thank you so much. Well, a t- talk in our book are my next two right here that I'm working on right now. And then after that, you know, we were talking earlier about ageism. I'd love to be on the cover of a magazine. I got into Women's Day for a two-page spread this year. That was fantastic. So my next goal is to be on that cover as a woman, 60 plus, you know, really showing that there's a beautiful way to age. And again, I love silver hair. One day I will have it. But as a blonde at this age, I'm like, hey, this is pretty cool. So really showing this positive um, light around age, being an ageism positivist really is, there's so so much beauty in in this life experience and wisdom that comes along with it. And I don't want people judging us for just how we look. I want them, I guess, judging us for who we are on the inside absolutely we are made up of so many different parts of our personality and I think having that freedom and being to be our authentic selves is really powerful well thank you so I could talk to you for so long we've got you know I was just really so glad we've connected because I do think that we've just got so many values in common and I love the work you're doing the last four questions that I ask all my guests do you have a book that's really inspired you in this journey Um, I'm always reading like I said I I, I actually played a librarian when I was a kid because I had I made created my own library but I I, um, my latest book that I'm on fire to spread is Glennon Doyle's Untamed. Oh, yeah. She is amazing and she is probably one of the most gifted writers I've ever come across. So she's able to put things that are kind of icky to talk about into this beautiful prose that also just gets right into your heart. So Glennon Doyle, Untamed, her podcast, all of it, she's fantastic. Yeah, yeah she's one of my favorites too. And what about a piece of music or a song that's always motivated you? The lead song from Rent, that is like, Rent is one of my all-time favorite musicals. And it's like, 525,600 minutes. You know, that lead song is like... It gets me every time. Like I'm just like a puddle. I'm dancing around so excited, but I'm also a puddle from the emotion of what comes up in rent. So my number one favorite. And what about who inspires you? Brene Brown, Oprah, and again, Glennon Doyle. Those are my three probably top fierce women in the world. Have you got somebody slightly deviating from these questions now, but I'm just interested. Have you got a kind of list of people that you still like to interview that you haven't interviewed yet? I'm guessing April would be there. Well, for sure, those three are the top. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, oh my God, I actually did reach out to Brene Brown. I haven't gotten on there yet, but I'm going to, I have like a plan to get to all of those three women. So for yeah. sure, those three women, then I would say, of course, Michelle Obama is in there. And then I would love to have Gail King and I'd love to have Gail and Oprah together because I think they are just the coolest representation of a women, friend, a female friendship that really is a rare thing out there with so little, um, or no jealousy, really just rising together and pulling each other up and being so real and raw and vulnerable. So I would say those are my top five. Watch this space. Yes. 
<laughs> and my last question, because I really want to try and encourage women to be more complimentary about themselves. If you were to pay yourself a compliment, what would it be? You know, it's funny. I I, I grew up thinking that I was ugly. And so I, I really had the ugly story inside of me. And it would be, you're beautiful. You know, you're beautiful inside. You're beautiful outside. You're a beautiful human, a beautiful soul, a beautiful spirit. Lovely. Thank you so much for sharing that. And how can people find you? Thank you so much. So Catherine Grace O is my Instagram. It's my blog. Everything is there on my Instagram at Catherine Grace O. My podcast in talk show is Mastering Modern Midlife. My um, Facebook community is Forever Fierce Midlife Matters. And yeah, pretty much all over there. You can you can find me just about you Google me and I'll come up. <laughs> I think I'm the only Catherine Grace O out there. <laughs> well, honestly, it's been an absolute pleasure to connect and talk with you today. Thank you so much for sharing your story and for all the amazing work that you're doing. You know, I'm, I'm part of your Facebook community and I love seeing the connections that women make. It's just fantastic. And, you know, to be able to create this ripple effect, effect across the, the globally is just something really special. So keep doing all this amazing work, Catherine. Thank you so much. And thank you for all that you're doing. I greatly appreciate you, your mission and your message. And we're so aligned. So keep rocking it. Well, I hope you found today's interview with Catherine as inspiring as I did. Love talking to her and what a story she has to share. And that's the power of sharing our story. We never know where it's going to lead to, what ripple effect it could create and what impact it could have on somebody else's life. So I definitely recommend you go and check out Catherine's Instagram and her Facebook community, which I have been a member of for quite some time now. And I really love seeing all the different women in there that are really embracing midlife in their fabulous, fierce way. So I'll be back next week with some more inspiration. In the meantime, keep being fabulous. Thank you for listening to the Outer Bubble podcast. I hope it's left you feeling inspired. If it has, why not come and join our fabulous group of women in the free Step Out of the Bubble Facebook group, where you can get to connect with other women all at different stages of their midlife journey, supporting and inspiring one another. You can also come and say hello on Instagram at RachelPeru1. I'd love to know how you intend or how you are already stepping out of your bubble in 2022. And don't forget, if you're loving the podcast, don't forget to subscribe, rate and review. Your support is much appreciated. Until next time, keep being fabulous.